0: Unfortunately, crimes and war will multiply. I love football. Mm -hmm.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone, to our first ever podcast. We've gone legit. We're now on Spotify. We just wanted to firstly introduce ourselves as you know a double act. Cassius speaking right now and sat across from me is Mr Hammond Jojo.
2: What a lovely introduction Cassius and can I say how much of a pleasure it is to be across the table. (laughs) Um, We've had some fun starting up this passion project of ours. CHGP could have gone pro. It's gonna be massive and I already feel like it's massive and we have probably a small following but to us it feels bloody huge. Yeah it really does.
1: We love when people Drop us a DM or even say after an interview, thanks, that was so much fun. Please make sure to send that over to us, and we've just been capturing raw emotion. I hope some of you have seen that that Mohawk man, that's what we call him, the Mohawk man from Chelsea, who yep. got into that fight. Yep. Jojo, um, you were behind the camera.
2: Talk, talk to the people. Tell them, tell them what it was like. Listen, like a fin out of water, the hammerheads <laughs> came for us, and the rise and the fall of the Mohawk is. Instantly legendary in the CHGP world. Um, we saw him coming out the stadium red hot. And uh, Cass was bravely in uh, in the middle of uh, the whole ruckus. And uh, Cass, tell us what it was like to be in the middle of all that.
1: I mean, that game, I remember pre-game filming. And we just knew it was, it was one of those fixtures whereby the West Ham fans were being noisy. Chelsea fans. It was a three o'clock kickoff, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And it was just... It was brewing. There were so many police officers outside the, the Chelsea pub, which is called the Chelsea Pensioner. And I think it was fights already pre-game, you know, then people, more Mm -hmm, (laughs) booze, more mm -hmm. up for it. And I think the way the game ended as well.
2: Yeah, controversial to say the least. Chelsea-Nick won there. Um, A few dubious decisions going against West Ham, who were already in a bit of a precarious situation with their form. So I think it really just pushed them over the edge. And, you know, Chelsea fans, West Ham fans, being a London derby... It's yeah. bound to pop off. It's especially that fixture, few points involved. I mean, we were just there to capture it. Yeah. David Attenborough. For our viewers who don't know, West Ham is east, east, east London. Yep, and obviously
1: Chelsea is west, southwest, very west. And um, and so that that fixture is just huge. And they were they were up for it. That's all I can say, really.
2: They were up for it. We were up for it. I think the whole of London was up for it. And um, luckily the story of the mohawk continues yeah and through barstool football ben yep, traumas yep. shout out
1: to those two pages for reposting big shout shots if them. you haven't seen it go on their twitter page it's got two and a half million views now um and you'll be able to find it but yeah back to back to our introduction so we're called could have gone pro And i think you know for obvious reasons hopefully i'm sure we all know somebody <laughs> who thinks they still could have gone pro Probably after a few drinks, really believes it.
2: Yeah, including me. I mean, (laughs) sober, I'm absolutely diehard, could have gone pro. Definitely one of the believers. Um, A few pints in, I'm absolutely telling anyone who wants to hear, and that's absolutely no one. So essentially harassing people about my... fictitious uh, footballing career but um it's it's all it's all fun and games but um at the end of the day it's deadly serious so um in both <laughs> senses uh <laughs> it's a joke and a very serious statement yeah your, your poor kids are gonna have to hear those stories as well
1: <laughs> anyway, so you, you guys can find us on tiktok instagram we've even got a youtube channel all could have gone pro and we're uploading regularly um, we've got next weekend we're go-karting with sir jackie stewart and david Coulthard. so mm-hmm. something a bit different we're not always just doing football mm-hmm. although we are london-based and so please, yeah, feel free to give us suggestions.
2: We're always... Yeah, switching it up, you're going to see a Muppet like me on the road, not particularly enabled on the track. But listen, I'm going to push it. We've got a competitive squad and we're going for gold. Um, you know, silver and bronze will be unacceptable. Could have gone pro, doesn't doesn't shoot for middle place or second place or third place. We go for first every time. So uh, it should be a lot of fun, Cass.
1: Yeah, no, looking forward to it. So, so today's podcast is going to, well, we've already started to introduce ourselves, but we're going to go discuss some of the fixtures we've already been to, but then move on to this week's news. You know, lots lots have been going on. Brighton's and Weppu's retired. We've had Tamori's red card last night, and then Forrest giving Steve Cooper two more years, and then we'll finish off by talking about this weekend's fixtures coming up and Jojo's He's a betting man, Jojo. So he'll give us some predictions, won't you?
2: You got to gamble. You got to gamble on <laughs> life. Uh, shoot for the stars, aiming for the moon. Um, not to say I'm a mystic man right now, but you know, in my time, I've had a, a few saucy picks, and long may it continue. Very exciting stuff in the next few weeks. We've had so much fun just getting out and about in London, going to all the fixtures that were available to us. And uh, just want to say a big thank you to everyone who came and did interviews with us, got involved with us, celebrated, danced, was sad, happy. And we just want to capture that emotion and let the roller coaster ride. Yeah, we want to capture raw emotion.
1: We're not Sky Sports. And I think sometimes people don't realize just how passionate fans, mm. especially in the UK, are yep. about their sport. And yep. we want to shed light
2: on that in our own way and they deserve a spotlight to have their opinion shared I mean a lot of fans over the last few years especially with um, a lot of this Super League nonsense have had their voices heard finally and um, you know with foreign ownership and a lot of other stuff getting involved in football the um, the average fan isn't as heard as uh as they previously may have had been. Um, so yeah, not to say we're the answer to that, but we're definitely part of the solution. Yeah, exactly. We wanna prove, you don't have to be a former footballer to-, no. to you know, Listen, I love Roy Keane, but um, every other person who's had a ticket to the venue and just shows our support, deserves an opinion to be shared.
1: Back for our, I guess, our first segment now, where we're gonna discuss all of the games that we've been to in the last month and a half that we've been going. Mm-hmm. Lots to discuss. Let's start with the biggest, I guess, the North London derby last weekend. Arsenal's huge victory at the Emirates as well. I mean Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, absolute scenes. It was a party for the Arsenal fans, as probably expected. And um, just to be around the Emirates for that day was really, really exciting. Um, Arsenal, obviously, on a rich vein of form at the moment. Top of the league, smashing it in all departments. Mika is looking like Pep 2.0. And as much as I hate every single word coming out of my mouth right now, I have to you know, tip my hat to what the whole squad, management and ownership are doing because it's all flowing very swimmingly.
1: It really is. I mean, we were filming next to Arsenal Fan TV and they would not stop partying, these Arsenal fans. They were going for hours afterwards. Really <laughs> a dedicated fan base. We knew that from, you know, seeing Arsenal Fan TV, but seeing it up, you know, close, yeah. it was impressive.
2: Up and personal, Arsenal fans definitely have a lot to say. They're very passionate. They and delusional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. A little delusional, but, you know, we love that. Every Every dedicated fan, I think, is a little delusional and um, i've got to say they like to turn up outside the stadium and let people know they just caught a dub and fair enough to them Mm. no exactly we've
1: we've actually been to a few pubs around the arsenal stadium whilst we film we you know we get the pregame, then we go to a pub and watch it the pubs around the stadium are epic so such a passionate fan base but also such classic british pubs you know the owners are huge arsenal fans the people inside such devoted, it's a nice community up there and we, we were pleasantly surprised by the nice welcome we got.
2: Yeah, you know, we were hidden, reserved Chelsea fans going into it and, you know, potentially portraying ourselves as North Londoners, probably not that well, as you can tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, the reception around the Emirates Stadium and all the pubs that we've gone to has been absolutely fantastic and can some more. Good pints, good chats, and just generally a very welcome reception. Yeah, it was great. And and before
1: we did the London Derby, we went to Fulham Brighton. I know, probably not the most exciting game in terms of names, but Craven Cottage, that stadium, it's just, it's simple, but mm-hmm. it's just,
2: it's class. I think it's historical, It's, it's old school. Yeah, it was rocking. It was rocking mm-hmm. when we were there. I think Fulham Brighton um, over the last few years has become quite a beefy occasion. And we were definitely on the receiving end of some of that beef <laughs> because yeah, we, we were well. <laughs> we were in the middle of the crowd as everyone was coming out, tactically positioned, obviously. And um, this was in the early days of CHGP where we had. Um, some of our friends come to film shout out g rob and um he got a little slap to the face camera shoved but you know what it's all part of the footage it's all part of the brand and you know we loved it
1: we we put our bodies on the line i mean i had someone in a wheelchair ram into the back of me definitely a brighton fan yep but i love the highlight for for (laughs) us i think was This Fulham fan who was about 70 years old, he loves Mitrovic to new levels. (laughs) He was saying everybody doubted Mitrovic. He couldn't do it in the Prem. And obviously Mitrovic scored. And he was delighted. I've never seen
2: somebody so happy to see someone on the score sheet. It was fantastic. Very happy chappy at the time. And, um, you know, Fulham fans probably have a reputation for being probably the most polite fans. And it's true. They're very nice people. Brighton fans, on the other hand, when they lose, aren't too nice.
1: Yeah, I, I really think Fulham fans have a shout for being maybe the poshest fans in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, Chelsea. They, they were so nice. You're right. Chelsea gets um placed in that and labelled as the probably the poshest Club, which is true to a certain level. But Fulham fans have a different level of decorum in which they they hold themselves to. Yeah, they're like, yes, of course you might have an interview. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, please, I'm very I'm very happy for this time. You know, I'd love to share my opinion about the state of the team. And, you know, I'm very happy with Mitrovic. You know, a lot of doubts around him and no one said we could do it. But look at us, we're absolutely smashing it. <laughs> no, it, it's great there. I'm really enjoying
1: watching Fulham. And then let's move on to the Lever Cup. So that was tennis tournament in honor of roger federer's last ever match and that was a whole different experience at the o2 we had a great time again got kicked out because we didn't have film passes yeah seems to be a trend yes we need to maybe make fake
2: film passes we're gonna get on that we're gonna get on that yeah
1: but that was actually very emotional um lots of people from switzerland over of course because of roger And, you know, big names were playing. They even had mini tennis games outside. And lots of people saying, actually, that no one likes Novak Djokovic out of the tennis community.
2: Not a popular character. Probably with all the COVID debacle, didn't really help him out. Um, On the court, a bit of an icy figure. But generally, the whole occasion was so wholesome, very emotional at the same time. A lot of love for Roger. Um, The scenes at the end with Rafa and Roger, you know, holding hands, some tears, some tears came down the cheeks it was you know really picturesque it was movie like
1: yeah now i wonder what we could like compare novak djokovic to what Ooh. kind of what kind of footballers <gasps> novak cuz obviously he's an unreal player wins slams bit of a villain bit of a villain i wonder is he is he kind of like a a neymar these days very mm. talented but no one kind of
2: yeah. No I, one likes it. I was going to go for Zlatan. I was going to go for a guy who's a serial yeah. winner, yeah. doesn't apologize for winning, doesn't really care about the public opinion, and just goes about his business himself. That's a shout, actually. Yeah, Zlatan and Novak. Who would have known that yeah. could be a comparison? I like it, though. <laughs> I
1: really do. And uh, we're actually secretly big Nick Kiros fans, Jojo and I. Huge. And people seem to love him. Who are The young, the youth, like yeah. uh, Nick... The the older folk, no, they don't like him so much. No
2: time for Nick. I'm a big Kyrgios fan, and I was riding on him to uh, do the business at Wimbledon. Um, unfortunately, didn't get there. But what an outrageous run from him! I Unbelievable. Think, no coach as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the, probably the most loudest quality <laughs> yeah. about him. He just does it himself. He trains with his girlfriend, who you know don't want to get on her, but cannot hit a tennis ball seriously. <laughs> um, the scenes at Wimbledon before the final or before the semi final. It's like a training uh, uh, courts, and Rafa's got three, four coaches, like making sure his backhand's actually banging it down the line. And Rod, <laughs> like, is literally just playing behind the le- behind the back, through the legs, just playing a mini game with his girlfriends. And I think that's just amazing to see yeah he even
1: nominated himself for coach
2: of the year <laughs> I mean only Nick Kyrgios could get away with that
1: the <laughs> Aussies I love them they're, they're one of a kind it's just great
2: yeah probably one of the best national fan bases out there as a Brit you can always connect with an Aussie and I think out of the English speaking nations in the world definitely the most popular yeah agreed agreed but
0: unfortunately crime in war
1: hello welcome again to could have gone pro we're moving on to our second segment which is the news roundup lots has happened as always in the footballing world mm-hmm. first we're gonna actually discuss quite sad news Mwepu wepu of brighton has retired age 24 they found you know something to, with his heart that's not working properly yeah and he's decided that it's best for him to retire which is sad And also Brighton paid 18 million for him in the summer of 20, I think it was 18. Yeah. That is sad news for him personally, and also Brighton losing such a great player at such a young age.
2: Very sad news. And for Brighton, 18 million is probably all of their transfer (laughs) budget. (laughs) So that's a big signing for them. But to get more serious on the topic, like that is devastating. A guy who's dedicated his whole life Mm. to get to such an exclusive level stage of professional sports and have it cut early is really terrible to see. And CHGP sends out their love to him and hopefully he finds uh, a great role for him in football off the pitch. May that be management, may that be, um, you know, within the company, in sourcing. But uh, yeah, yeah, just very sad news and sending our love to him. Yeah, hopefully maybe Christian Eriksen could be quite a
1: good source of information for him. I mean, who knows? He's mm. been through it all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully there is some sort of remedy that can get him back on the pitch. Obviously, don't want to push it and make sure his health is the priority. Um, and his mental health as well, because, yeah. you know, that's something people don't talk about enough. Ha-
1: having said that, I feel like people now open up more about it. But, you know, when you're 24 years old... Yep.
2: And something like that happens to you. That's your entire career. It's all you've worked towards. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And I hope Brighton do right by him. And I, I think they will. I think they're a great club. Yeah, they are. They in really terms are. of that, in terms of how they um, how they go about their business internally, you never really hear about anything negative coming up the club with certain personalities. And, you know, the ownership management seems to be all in line doing their thing. So, yeah, big shout out to him. and yeah. uh,
1: Shout out to Brighton, definitely. 100%. Okay, no, no, let's move on to a former Chelsea player, now AC Milan, Fakayo <laughs> Tamori. Poor guy's had probably the worst couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Not only does he let Aubameyang score at Stamford Bridge, yep. he says he's going to come out
2: for revenge and he prove did. a point. And, and poor guy, I mean, it had to be him, right? Yeah. It just had to be. It had to be him. And you know what? There was a lot of chat coming out from him yeah. midweek. And I was listening to it, I being probably one of Fikayo's biggest supporters, you know, Chelsea born and raised through the academy, um, you know, one of, one of our own in a lot of ways. And Chelsea fans are quick to forget about, you know, his contribution to the team and we let him go. And we signed him to a contract in which had a very, very low buyout clause. And AC Milan came in, realised his potential and swooped him up and fair play to them. Maldini definitely definitely gets bonus points for that. Definitely has an eye for a defender being probably my favourite centre-back of all time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, he said too much, didn't he, Cass? Yeah,
1: poor, poor guy. I really did feel bad for him. And it's, it's interesting because England fans... Two weeks ago, we were saying Maguire over Tomori. Tomori has to start mm. for England at the World Cup. But I feel like, you know, English fans are quick to judge and they might have seen that performance and now
2: thinking, ooh, actually... Yeah, we're, we're, we're flip-flop specialists. That's what we are as English yeah. fans. We, uh, we look on form, but, you know, I think Tomori should have a place in that squad, especially uh, how well AC Milan are doing domestically. But, Cass, was it a red? no I think even Mason Mount admitted off yeah. the game it wasn't it, and if a Chelsea player says it wasn't a red then it really that referee was handing out yellow cards yeah really, he really was I mean man of the match performance in the ref uh, yeah for Chelsea. Uh, yeah, definitely you know really put in a shift for the boys in blue um, we actually me and Cass have a mutual friend of ours who's a um, AC Milan fan so we're just going to send out a little message to him Amore 3-0 at Stamford Bridge <laughs> 2-0 at San Siro there's nothing more you could say I wish you the best domestically, but don't step on us in the Champions League. Exactly. Space.
1: Well said. Well said. <laughs> right. Let's move on to to Manchester City, and we have got to talk about Harlan's. I mean, I, I get called Haaland on the on the tube quite often. Yeah. But this man is a specimen. Yeah. He, I think he's going to break every record. He,
2: people have been saying that he's just not human, I, and I think they're right. Alien, absolute bloody alien Martian, I don't know, Saturian Whatever the bloody is That guy is a monster Just doing things that we didn't think were possible Absolutely obliterating every single team that goes by him big shout out to Bournemouth the only team he hasn't scored against in the (laughs) Premier League (laughs) still lost the game 4-0 or something oh my gosh but uh Bournemouth absolutely defensive masterclass against Haaland (laughs) I think every other team should look at that
1: yeah 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 exactly but also you know who I think is so underrated for I mean Haaland obviously playing amazingly but Kevin De Bruyne is supplying all of these passes I mean you talk about Son and Kane Harlan and Kevin De Bruyne, I think, is just the the best duo right now. That's By Country a, Mile, I think. That's
2: definitely the best duo. I mean, the guy is an assist god. He's just a midfield maestro getting in there, just threading it through the midfield. I mean, that midfield has a certain balance to it in which, you know, hats off to Pep, that's the man. And I'm intimidated, I'm scared, um, a little bit sad that they're doing so well. Mm. But, you know... I'm trying to be as neutral as possible and just appreciate the aesthetic of the player that they're doing. But God damn, it's hard to. Yeah, I think all of England right now,
1: I've never really seen this whereby I think the whole country has just accepted that Manchester City is by far the best team. And that's fine. You just, I feel like everyone's just accepted that this team is just, I've never seen anything like it from back to front every position is just stacked
2: yeah and I think the Akanji transfer kind of got swept under the rug um, you know Swiss International did bits at Dortmund came in and looked like an absolute monster as well
1: yeah he's only about their fifth or sixth centre-back they've got I mean honestly that team
2: ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and you know Man City for being a plastic club in which I... Ooh,
1: that won't go down well with, no, some, no, with some viewers
2: <laughs> it's all good it's a plastic club I, I really hate the whole ownership scheme behind it even though i'm a chelsea fan and probably have no leg to stand on um i'm probably just an awful sore loser but um to see them doing so well you've got to say that that ownership management team coaching have you know produced probably in my opinion one of the best sides to ever grace the premier league yeah but
1: talking about their the ownership though Chelsea are going to try and copy that
2: with buying other
1: clubs and having feeders. Yeah. Because Man Man City have got, obviously, New York, FC... Melbourne. And Melbourne... I'm not sure how much talent they're getting from Melbourne, but, but you know <laughs> that it is interesting that a lot of these clubs are now trying to copy the, you know, the Red Bull model and have feeders. And I think it's it's probably actually the future now. I am sure some football fans don't like don't like that, but I think it's gonna be a reality.
2: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to have different teams, different continents, different leagues, a pool of talent you can easily get over. Um to your club and also i think it makes the um, process of transfers more efficient you can get work visas easier there's easier loan structures i mean it all just works in a different efficient model and i guess the larger base and pool of talent you have the more likelihood that you're gonna produce amazing talent
1: yeah quite right and let's discuss wolves Still got no manager. Yeah, uh, Lopetegui apparently has turned them down again for the second time. Actually, yeah, I didn't he, see that. Yeah, just broke today. He wants some time off. Wow and let's talk also Diego Costa in yeah. a Wolves shirt yeah. that that's strange as Chelsea fans to see not, but also at the same time nice to see him get a standing ovation at Stamford Bridge
2: yeah two statements one bring big sam in you guys need him you're not wolves anymore you're cats and uh yeah Diego wolves, Costa not cats i yeah. like that that's new <laughs> but um yeah listen Diego Costa legend Chelsea eyes absolute shit hours in which i think every fan just enjoys seeing mm. And I'm expecting him to actually have a pretty decent season. Yeah, he didn't play that well at the weekend, but he is
1: now thirty-four. I don't know how, I don't know when was the last time he actually played a competitive game. Mm. But Costa knows how to, you know, get a goal and annoy a defender. At That's... least get someone sent off. That's what he's good at, really.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, just put a few balls into the box. He's gonna do something with it. Hold up hold up play. Fantastic A1. And they've got some ballers around him. So I think that top three. Podence, you know, Pedro Neto, Diego Costa and, you know, Ruben Neves and jao Moutinho coming in as a supporting midfield can actually do something. And I think they're going to see a turnaround and form quite quickly. Managerial appointment. He has to be key. Portuguese. The guy has yeah. he, There's no, he's managing Portugal yeah. FC. The yeah. guy has to be Portuguese. He definitely does. I mean, they've banked on it. Jorge Mendes has got into a position where he's literally dictating the club. Um, from this should that kind be of allowed though an agent yeah. yeah
1: an agent running a club because that's what wolves are mm. it really is mm. I mean I feel sorry for Max Kilman. he's probably the only yeah. non-Portuguese
2: guy who starts every week right now he's probably loving the Portuguese tunes yeah. though he's probably Max
1: Kilman comprendo yeah
2: exactly <laughs> listen I'm not even going to try to speak Portuguese because my, my foreign language skills are not there but um, listen they've got to get a Portuguese manager in I don't see it working in terms of you know the squad's ethos right now is a very Portuguese, hardworking, aggressive, you know, they have a counter-attack style play, which is, you know, reminiscent of a lot of the Portuguese teams in the European competitions. Mm. So they've got to get someone in, someone in quick, otherwise they could continue to see this poor run form.
1: Yeah, agreed. And let's talk about Forrest, since we're talking about poor runs. Mm-hmm. They've surprisingly given their manager, Cooper. Yeah. Two more years. I mean, who would have thought after the start they've made, I thought classic club from the World Championship coming
2: up, sacking their manager, but they've actually stuck by him. Quite surprising. Very surprising. Very surprising. I don't really know what they're doing. Um, I mean, what was it? 22, 23 players over the summer transfer period. Absolute nonsense in my eyes. I mean, you cannot get rid of a squad that has delivered you, you know, first division Premier League football for the first time in I don't know two decades and just get rid of the whole core it makes no sense there's no momentum from a winning team into a team of complete strangers to each other you don't have a long preseason. you don't have a manager who really has the experience with a lot of these international type players I just don't see the cohesion I think it's a bit of a fairy tale that they've told themselves and I don't think they're sleeping that well at night anymore. (laughs) No, I agree. I mean, so many teams
1: have done this in the past. QPR back in 2015. Great shout. And, and Fulham as well, a couple of seasons ago, when you sign that many players, they always go down. So I'm not sure why Forest haven't, why, why have they made the same mistake again? It's just silly to be honest with you. It's, it's a model that's been proven not to work. So why
2: try it? I don't know, Cass. I think that's a great question. And, um, It's nothing against Cooper. I think he's a great manager. I just don't think he's been given a foundation to really succeed in a league which is ruthless. It's cut, though. And once you have four or five games, you don't get a result. I think it was, what, five games they lost in a row before they drew against Villa. I mean, it's going to start getting to their heads, their mentalities all over the place. Yeah, and surprising that
1: players like Jesse Lingard who previously have done well in the Premier League aren't performing. So no, worrying times so far So welcome to the last section of our podcast and this is where we're going to talk about this weekend's fixtures and also discuss Jojo's bets that he's put on for this week. Saucy. So, we'll so it's kind of be a, a, a speed round, we'll go through the fixtures, kind of give our predictions and a little bit of backstory and uh, so we don't take too long on each one. So first up, Leicester versus Palace. Yep. I'm thinking Leicester, obviously, tough run of form, mm-hmm. but I do think they're going to turn it around against Palace today. I just always think Palace, a little weak at the
2: back sometimes, missing Connor Gallagher in midfield. What do you think? I actually disagree if you here, Cass. I think the Eagles are going to have a good one. I think they struggle at home sometimes. I think away from home they potentially have a bit more freedom. I think Leicester really need this result. I think they're gonna sit in and, you know, get Wilf, Elise and Eze to really carry their team. Edwards a clinical finisher. Um I see I see Palace two one two one, yeah, it? that
1: that trio of Elise, Eze, and Zaha and actually Odson Edwards been getting some goals between it is deadly. But I think 1-0, I think Yuri Tielemans or Madison on the score sheet. One of those two. Let's see I well, love what's it. What's your prediction? I'm thinking 1-0 Leicester. Uh, 2-1 Palace for me. Okay. Moving on, Fulham-Bournemouth. Honestly, that game, I wouldn't want to watch that. <laughs> that sounds pretty boring. For me, Bournemouth, I can't see. I know they've been on a great run recently with their assistant manager who's taken over. or well, that interim re- manager, rather. But I think Fulham, two-nil victory. It's at Craven Cottage
2: home. Mitrovic is injured, but still, I can't see Fulham losing that game, can you? No, I can't see them losing either, either, excuse me. I think, um, you know, this team is being set up really well. I think Pereira in there has been a creative spark in which is going to give them, you know, a lot of uh, creativity around the box. I think they're dangerous also with space on the counter, uh, I can see this being a, a 3-1 or 2-0. Yeah. And, and talk about Fulham. There's this one player to look out for called Paulinha mm.
1: from Sporting. He's a very good player. scored a couple goals for them. Watch out for him. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Wolves, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest right now, I mean, it's they need another international break. I think they're going <laughs> to lose to Wolves. I mean, both teams are in disarray. But... For me, Wolves have got a little bit of extra quality right now. They they're a group that have played together a little bit more. They need they it. They, they, need they need it. it. They, they, they need showed it. up at the Stanford Bridges weekend and played terribly. Uh, but
2: they've still got a couple of players. Yep, yep. I think they've got a couple of dangerous players, Podence, Pedro Neto, um, Diego, points to prove um, quality in the midfield a pretty solid defense even though they have been losing games they haven't been leaking too many it's usually um, a lack of creativity in the final third in which stumps them um, so I, I can see Wolves winning 1-0 here I think that's a yeah. very classic Wolves result
1: that game is actually kind of you know bottom of the table yeah. battle, which is kind of surprising seeing Wolves in there it is it is and then let's move on to Tottenham Everton a lot of Tottenham fans have been saying that they've been winning games but not playing well sure and they, knew, they do need to bounce back because I, they lost to Arsenal. They mm-hmm. then drew in midweek. Mm. So I think... But Everton, you know, it's a tough one to call this one. I'm going to go for Tottenham. Tottenham win. They're playing at home. I think actually
2: a 2-1. Everton haven't been playing badly, you know? No, I mean, Frankie Lamps, absolute legend, better than Gerrard, um, <laughs> has, you know, done a great job. Upper Merseyside. He's really galvanised the troops um, and they look like a cohesive unit at least. And compared to when he got the squad last season, I think he's done a great job and you know, hats off to Frank. And shout out to Connor Cody.
1: I think he's been brilliant at the back. I can't understand why Wolves let him go. For me, you, you don't
2: loan out a club captain to never, another team. Never, Great signing from them. Yeah. Terrible on Wolves. I'd see Spurs um, 2-1. Yeah, classic Son and Kane
1: goal. Yeah. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. The sucker punch, the one-two. Yeah. All right, Sunday's fixtures, Villa-Chelsea. We're obviously biased on this one. <laughs> but to be fair, Aston Villa on the Gerrard. I think all the hype around him winning the title up in Scotland hasn't delivered. I no. think it's not spoken about enough, his lack of progress with that team. I and totally he, and agree. And he spent money. He has spent money. He, he, has. Forget. he has. I think Charles playing
2: well. we're away from home so 3-1 I think 3-0 I don't think they get on the score sheet I think they're in a bit of a sticky one right now and I don't see them getting anything out of this game
1: yeah disappointing they couldn't beat
2: Forrest during the week and a Leeds Arsenal Leeds used to ship
1: a lot of goals but actually now they've tightened up a bit made some good signings Yep, lots of American players playing well Tyler Adams in particular sure Uh, Arsenal I mean that I can't see them. I think they're going to win again. They're just on a on a run of form right now. Mm-hmm. Away from home, in Leeds is always tough, but I, I do think they're going to win. And I actually think they're going to win four one. And I'm going. I'm going. Gabriel Jesus at least two. Yeah. Odegaard on the score sheet. Yeah. I don't think Parsi's going to score another screamer, but <laughs> I think
2: Martinelli could be on the on the score sheet. They've just got so many attacking players. They do. Well, listen, Richmond two point with Ted Lasso and <laughs> has um, been surprising and actually. Um, I've got to congratulate uh, Jesse March and uh, all the players he's brought in. I think that's been a real surprise package for the Premier League this season. And it's great to see um, an individual from a different background, uh, potentially alien from English football backgrounds, no grassroots English uh, experience for him, but has proven to be a very tactful and strategic manager who can get results so I don't see them winning um, I think they're going to make it a feisty occasion as they always do up in Leeds but I can see Arsenal comfortably winning this game 4-1 3-1, I'm, I'm going to join you on 4-1 Gabriel Jesus 2 I reckon Odegaard gets a cheeky one, let's say Martinelli also next one
1: Yeah. I'm right, moving on to Man U Newcastle, for me Newcastle, I mean with Bruno Guimaraes They're they're just a team to be reckoned with. And I actually think they're going to beat United this weekend. Do you actually? I really do. They're just, there's a certain energy. They beat Brentford 5-1. Yep. Full of confidence. Good team, Brentford as well. Good team. And, you know, put them away 5-1. They didn't get a sniff, Brentford. No. And just United right now, their performance during the week was just mundane. Mm. Not much hope for them. Mm. And I think Newcastle are going to
2: win 2-1
1: yeah really
2: comeback victory i like that shout from you um i also think the newcastle are gonna do well this game so max is back which is huge isaac's still out but wilson's fit so they have some good attacking threat they can be clinical around the box but i can just see ronaldo turning up this game i think he scored one against everton the last weekend um, so think, what's
1: your score prediction
2: then? I, I think it's going to be a comeback victory for United. I think Ooh, Newcastle okay. Newcastle are going to 1-0 up. And then there's going to be a double from Ronnie. Two Sueys to uh, <laughs> send them back to Manchester nice and happy.
1: Fair enough. Then we've got Southampton, West Ham. Yep. Both teams not playing well either. Yep. West Ham in particular. Mm-hmm. I I can see this being a draw, actually. One all. I think Skamaka gets on the score sheet for West Ham. I think he's playing well.
2: Sure. And for Southampton... I mean, who's
1: their goal scorer these days? Is it Che Adams is their main man? Yeah, Adam
2: Armstrong. I mean, they have a very young squad and a lot of exciting players in there and a lot of opportunity for someone to make a name for themselves, Mm. which I like. I like that from Ralph. I think his... Bet to trust in youth is something in which a lot of fans like because it brings up players who come through the academy, through the grassroots English system, and it's respectable. However, it is risky. And, um, you know, the phrase you won't any- win anything with boys is quite accurate in this case. Um, so I-, I see Southampton losing this game, and I see West Ham 2-0 away from 2-0, comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah, they need those points, West Ham. And let's finish off, I guess, with the blockbuster
1: fixture. Liverpool-Man City. Yep. I mean, I guess it's Liverpool really now, again, another tough fixture, but they need to claim three points. And it's just not going to happen for them. I know they're playing (laughs) at home, but that man, Haaland, he's going to demolish them. And Van Dijk short on confidence right now. Trent is injured. Yeah, he's out. So that will help them defensively. But in a game like this, I feel (laughs) like Trent... He's the kind of guy that would get a good assist in this kind of game. Sure, They're a little bit of magic.
2: Him. A little bit of magic. Yeah, Trent, listen, for all the hate that he gets, is a world class player. He's a very special individual. And I've got a lot of time for Trent. I can understand people's frustration with his positioning, lack of defensive intuitiveness, but. At the end of the day, he has got something extremely special in him, and mm. the fact that he's missing today is a big loss for Liverpool. I see Liverpool rallying. I think this is going to be a Jurgen Klopp rallying cry in the trenches, getting the troops so riled up, having the Anfield crowd, the cop behind them, sing them along the whole game. And they beat
1: City in the Community Shield as they well. Did. So
2: mentally, that
1: could be something.
2: Sure, they're in different places mentally. They're, they're in, you know rock bottom to sky high, but. This is the type of game that can change a season and really spark something in that Liverpool side. And I hope they capitalise on it because I really don't want to see City run so away with So it.
1: score predictions for you, Liverpool win?
2: I see Liverpool winning. 2-1? I'm not that confident on it, but I actually have some sort of faith in Jürgen being able to get one over Pep um, once again. And I see a 2-1 two, two, uh, coming from behind, yeah.
1: Fair enough. I'm going to have to go against you on the...
0: We multiply. I love football. But unfortunately, crimes and walls.
2: will multiply. Excited for this uh, segment of the series. I have always been um, a curious gambler and someone who's always enjoyed playing with the odds. So this, for me, is a real dream come true. And I'm so excited to have a lot of you come on this journey with me. I've got four bets for this weekend, and all of them are absolute absolutes. Obviously not true, but, you know... That's what they all say. Yeah, bet, bet responsibly. First bet... Big game, blockbuster event of the weekend, Liverpool, Man City. I alluded to it earlier that I think Liverpool are going to carry out an upset at Anfield. I think City are obviously a side not to be meddled with. One of the best teams in the world, if not number one. Um, I see Jürgen, the cop, and the whole city getting behind Liverpool right now and turning out an absolute performance. Um, Going 2-1 Liverpool... 16-5. I think there's decent odds on that. You make decent returns. All right, next up for me, Aston Villa-Chelsea. I see Mason Mount scoring in this game. Two assists on the weekend, taken off early against Milan, keeping him fresh for this fixture. I see him scoring 11-4 to to score in 90 minutes. He's getting one, maybe two, but I'm going to go on one. Definitely join me on that one. Next up, we've got Brighton-Nottingham-Forest. Forest, absolutely nothing right now nothing for the past six fixtures one win this whole premier league season i have no hope in them i don't understand the signing of cooper to a new two-year deal i understand you want to back your manager have some cohesive nature but it's not for me i'm going brighton annihilation 3-0 that's the correct score join me on that fourth bet, final bet of the week it's newcastle everton I see Newcastle coming from behind in this game. I see Frank Lampard setting the troops out right, coming aggressive, getting an early lead in Newcastle, having second half domination, uh, possession up in the final third. I see some Max and Wilson getting the goals each to win the game and that is the weekend fixture. If you wanna join me on all four, the accumulator is 1,495.25 to one, and that's pretty sexy odds to me. And I'm gonna put a pound in it as I put a pound on every other bet. I'm gonna track it for the whole season. Here's to a great season, and thank you for joining us. Yeah,
1: so that's JoJo's segment on the betting. He'll be doing that every single week, and beers on him if he pulls this off this weekend. Thank you for listening to us and join us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter could have gone pro and we'll be sending out lots of content this weekend as we're go-karting with Sir Jackie Stewart and David Coulthard. So stay tuned. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.